the psalmist writes, Behold, bless ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, which by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord, the Lord that made heaven and earth, bless thee out of Zion. Let's ask the Lord's blessing on this service that is being recorded for the brethren at Potton. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Lord, we thank thee, Lord, that we have the technology to record these services. And we pray, Lord, for thy blessing as um, this is done, this goes forth on the internet and those tune in to listen to it. Lord, we pray that it would be thy word that goes forth and it is received into willing hearts, open hearts, that have been prepared by thy spirit to receive the word with gladness. We pray, Lord, that thou hast bless this time that uh, is being set aside to hear instruction from thy word. We pray thou hast teach us each from it. We ask this in the name of our Saviour, and we ask also for the forgiveness of all of our sins. In his name. Amen. For our Old Testament reading, we will read Jonah chapter 1, the first chapter of Jonah, the prophecy of Jonah. Jonah 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it, to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid, and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said every one to his fellow, Come, and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is come upon us. What is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? What is thy country? And of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then said they unto him, 
What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord, and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah, and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord, and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now for our New Testament reading, we turn to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 12, and we read a few verses starting at verse 38. Matthew 12, verse 38. Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered Jesus, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was in, was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation, and shall condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonas, and behold, a greater than Jonas is here. The Queen of the South shall rise up in the judgment with this generation, and shall condemn it, for she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and finding none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he, and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without, desiring to speak with him. Then one said unto him, Behold, Thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to speak with thee. But he answered and said unto him that told him, Who is my mother, and who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand towards his disciples, and said, Behold my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. 
and help us now as we seek his face together in prayer. Gracious Lord God in heaven, we do thank thee for thy word. We thank thee, Lord, for the truths that are in it. We thank thee, Lord, that we have it in a language we understand and it is freely available for us to read and we can take comfort from it, from the promises that are contained therein. And Lord, we most of all thank thee that we read in that um, that word of God, that, that, um, that account of, that, of that sending thy Son into this world to be born as a man and to um, live that perfect life and to die that all-atoning death for thy people. And Lord, we know that when we approach thee in prayer, there is only one way, and that is through him. For he rose from the dead and is now sitting at thy right hand, interceding for thy people. And we pray, Lord, that thou wouldst hear us now as we come to thee together in prayer. We ask, Lord, that thou wouldst be with us. We ask, Lord, that uh, thou wouldst um, meet with us um, individually in our homes or wherever we are listening to this. Lord, we do pray that we would know thy presence. We ask especially that thou wouldst be with the church at Potton at this time, as they are not able to meet together um, in the uh, in the church building. But Lord, we know that the church is not something which is built with human hands, or it is not the building that is the church, it is the people that thou hast drawn out from the world. And Lord, there is that one universal church of thy people throughout all, from all nations and throughout all time that has have thy people, thy redeemed, thy elect, which have been loved from before the foundation of the earth. And we thank thee for this. For, Lord, we know that um, we would not have chosen thee by nature, but, Lord, thou hast um, worked that um, work of grace in our hearts and hast drawn us to thyself. Lord, we do ask that thou wouldst help us to um, cast our cares on thee, especially at this time of lockdown, where um, there are so many concerns. We pray, Lord, that thou wouldst meet all of the needs of those at Potton, that thou wouldst uh, um, help any that are in financial insecurity now, or perhaps have fears over their health, or whatever it is. Thou dost know the individual cases. We, Lord, um, ask that thou wouldst appear for them, that they would know that underneath are the everlasting arms. Lord, we thank thee. Um, for um, adding to the church over this year and we pray that thou wilt continue to do so that there would be those that are um, in um, the uh, place of Potton and the surrounding area which are moved, Lord, um, convicted of sin and moved by thy spirit to uh, seek a place of worship and we pray, Lord, that they would um, join also with the people there. And Lord, now we ask that thou wouldst um, help us as we look into thy word. Lord, we pray that thou wouldst be with preacher and hearer alike, and that thou wouldst forgive all that is amiss, for we ask this in the name of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If we turn back, please, in um, our Bibles to Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1, this is a well-known account, a well-known a well-known um, chapter of the Bible. And it is centered around this place of Nineveh. 
Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. Assyria was usually, in the word of God, the sort of the enemies of God's people. And Nineveh was the capital. In fact, Nineveh, as it's described here, would have been um, perhaps three or four cities in um, which were in this area. But there, um, the, and, and the main city there was known as Nineveh. And it was an impressive place. It had huge walls, huge city walls. They say that you could um, drive three chariots abreast around the top of these walls. And they towered um, high in, in the skyline when you approached Nineveh. In the gates of the city, there were these massive statues either side, which were in the form of a bull with a human head on it. To, um, and, and they believed, that the inhabitants of Nineveh believed this would ward off um, evil spirits. It, it was built by Sennacherib, and we read of Sennacherib in God's word, and he had um, declared this um, palace of Nineveh to be a palace without rival, and that took sort of centre stage, as it were, in this massive, impressive capital city of Assyria. Outside the palace, within the city walls, there were huge parks with... Um, tiered seating for spectators to sit on and in these parks um, there were lions, lions were kept there and the kings and princes and other dignitaries used to ride around in chariots hunting lions for sport, shooting at them with bows and arrows for these public lion hunts. It was an impressive place. Israel had nothing like this and Nineveh was known throughout the world at the time of being this place of power. You would have heard of Nineveh on the news over the last decade. For Nineveh is found in Iraq or Iraq, depending how you pronounce it. It is now known as Mosul. And Mosul is a city which now, as it was then in the days of Jonah, it is one of the most brutal places on earth. For example, around 10 years ago in, in Mosul, IS, Islamic State, um, men went around the houses of all of the known Christians in that city of Mosul and gave them options. The options were to convert to the Islamic faith or to leave within 24 hours, or to die, to be killed. A hundred thousand people fled. Since then, IS has been defeated within Mosul, but even so, persecution of Christians is still rife. Those hundred thousand people haven't come back. To be a Christian there now, you really have to live underground. It is controlled by violent men, by barbaric men. And it is the rule of violence. Imagine being told this morning that you have to pack your bags and go there. Go to Mosul and go to find the head of that city today and preach to them as Jonah was instructed to go. To preach to them to say that the, the wickedness of this city 
has come up before God when we consider these things we feel some sympathy for Jonah fleeing we likely would also flee this story of Jonah this account, this truthful account, um, this accurate account of, of Jonah, when we, it is known by everyone that would be listening to this message, for it is a, uh, an account which is related to the youngest child. We like to, to tell this story of Jonah, and we focus on the fish when we're telling this story. In fact, we focus on the fact that, that Jonah was swallowed by the fish. That's a fascinating idea for us. And yet, the Bible passes over that detail, which we are so interested in from a human point of view. We read in, verses, um, in verse 17, um, in chapter 1, the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. So the fish is there, prepared by God. And the very next sentence, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. The swallowing of Jonah, God's word just simply passes over. That's not the focus here of this book. Just as a uh, aside, before we get into the message, um, today. This account of Jonah being um, for living for three days inside the fish and then um, being vomited out, this is sometimes used by those um, atheists and those that doubt God's word um, as a so-called proof that it is silly to believe in God's word. Surely you don't believe in the account of Jonah. That's just symbolic. That kind of thing is often said to those that are Bible-believing Christians. Well, we know it is true. We know it is true because it is referred to by, um, by Christ as well in the New Testament, and it's also included in the Old Testament. You couldn't just add parables or um, uh, allegories and myths to the, to the Bible as, as, as man wanted. That was um, not how God inspired this at all. Um, the Bible was a, uh, is and was, always has been a sacred thing. And not even one letter could be changed. The ancient Hebrew people, the scribes, used to know exactly how many letters were in every single book. And what the middle letter was of each book as well. So you couldn't, you couldn't add anything to it. Um, it, or take anything away. They had all these checks and balances in their um, literature to make sure that couldn't happen. Also, the uh, the, the key verse here, um, if you um, are tempted to doubt, is the verse that we have just read, verse 17, that the Lord had prepared a great fish, and if the Lord's prepared a fish, then we can be quite certain that it is fit for purpose. It may have been a unique fish. We don't know. But certainly it was a fish that was prepared by the Lord and it was there um, on at his divine command 
um, at his bidding to swallow Jonah and to take him back to land. Jonah, the very name, means dove. It is the Hebrew word for dove. If ever we read the word dove in the Old Testament, the original would read Jonah. It's the same word. We read of Jonah elsewhere in the Word of God. In 2 Kings 14, verse 25, we read this. He restored the coast of Israel from the entering of Hamath unto the Sea of the Plain, according to the word of the Lord God of Israel, which he spake by the hand of his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet, which was of Gethepha. Jonah, the son of Amittai, which is what we read in verse 1 of our chapter. Jonah lived approximately 760 years before Christ, and he was contemporary with Hosea and Amos. We read, as we've just mentioned in verse 1, that he was the son of a man called Amittai. Amittai means true and faithful. So we have this man that's called true and faithful, and he calls his son Dove, which is full of spiritual meaning. So we know that he was brought up in this God-fearing, God-honoring family. So it's already a searching word for us this morning as we even look at Jonah. Because he was brought up in the ways of God. As we have been brought up, mainly, I would um, assume, those that are listening to this message, been brought up to know the things of the Lord, to come to church. But when God says, go this way, do this, go in this path, then we say, this is not our plan. This is not what I wanted to do. I will not go. We behave exactly as Jonah behaved in this chapter. Jonah is a prophet. And a prophet and a preacher, very similar things. Sometimes in, in many ways the same thing. A preacher, um, like myself, can stand or, or sit here as I'm doing now on this recording and s declare certain things to you. For example, I can declare to you that one day Jesus Christ will descend from heaven in clouds and return to earth in that way and his people will rise up in the air to meet him that are alive on the earth at that time. The heavens will be rolled up like a scroll and people um, on the earth that do not fear the Lord will cry on mountains to fall on them. These things haven't happened yet, but I can prophesy with absolute certainty that these will happen. And Jonah was a prophet that was given those words from the Lord where he could prophesy um, with certainty what would happen. He didn't believe in free will. He was a well-taught preacher. We know this, for in chapter 2, verse 9, he says, Salvation is of the Lord. But yet, when he was instructed to go to Nineveh, what was his reaction? 
Verse 2, we read of God commands him, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Next sentence. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he's in the uh, land of Israel, and he's then told to go to Nineveh, which is in the direction of Iraq, and he goes the other direction to Tarshish. We don't exactly know where Tarshish is, but it, um, or was, but it was certainly the other side of the Mediterranean. It possibly was in southern Spain, completely the opposite direction. That would be like uh, telling you this morning that you must go to, to John O'Groats. You must leave now and go to John O'Groats. And you say no, and you get in your car and you drive to Land's End. Completely the opposite way. He flee, he fleed from the face of God. Why? Because he was fearful of preaching to Nineveh. Perhaps he was fearful. He heard of this violent city. Perhaps he had in his heart some hatred towards those that lived in Assyria. But he did not obey God. And yet he was given that instruction to go there and faithfully preach. Now faithful preaching is hard. And Satan attacks it. Satan attacks it. Um, and he attacks it from the, um, by using those from the world. And sadly he also uses those from within the church. He uses those that are um, are false professors in the church to attack faithful preaching and sometimes even God's people um, are um, left to attack faithful preaching too. But Jonah is, says that he will not go. We should never say never to God. For what do we read in the next verse? when he's on this ship and he's fleeing from God. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. And that word sent out doesn't really come across particularly strong in this translation. But the original means hurled. God hurled out this storm. And these seasoned sailors had never seen a storm like it. This was an unnatural storm. There was chaos reigning. And these sailors were afraid and looking to their false gods and desperate for answers. Haven't we seen some chaos this year? In 2020, we all had many plans to go our own way, to do our own thing. And then this virus, this plague, has been hurled by the Lord onto our, on, in, into the world. And it's turned all of these plans upside down. We can't meet together as a church. We can't perhaps do other things that we were planning. Perhaps we're planning to go on holiday as a family or with some friends. Couldn't do that this year. Perhaps we had plans to grow our businesses or to do other things, um, or to, um, uh, to go a certain path. But no, um, the situation is 
in complete chaos and it seems that the leaders of the world don't know which way to turn and they're looking for answers and sadly like these sailors they don't look to the true God in verse 5 we see that they um, every, every man cried unto his own God they came from different nations different parts of the world and they're all together on this boat boat the um, sailors are often um, a mixed group and they cried to their their different gods they had a multi-faith service doesn't the world think they're being all new and trendy forging a new way blazing a new trail by having multi-faith services well here in 760 BC there was a multi-faith service ha um, happening on the deck of this boat. Not that it did any good at all. Not that they do any good at all in our day and generation for to approach God in any way other than the way that is instructed um, by God is wrong. We have to approach God through um, his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see this in the New Testament, there was that multitude of gods that Paul encountered when he um, was on Mars Hill, where he says, doesn't he, to, the, um, to, to those um, residents of that city that he's seen all of these different uh, um, altars, the different gods, and it's the unknown God that he's declaring unto them, the one that they don't know. But one man on this boat, on this ship, was not praying to his God. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. Fast asleep in this unnatural storm. Maybe he was very tired. Running from God is an exhausting, is exhausting work. But really this is a picture of his soul's condition. He's asleep. He's not alive to the word of God and he's not alive to the work of God in this storm. Never say that a believer can't sin and just continue on calmly. Believers can. Those that fear God can do this. Jonah did this here. He had sinned greatly, run away from God and yet he's asleep here in this storm. But mercifully, they will never be allowed to continue in that sleeping condition. They will be awakened um, and they'll be awakened spiritually and physically. Then the, um, the captain of the boat comes to him, wakes him up and asks him to call upon his God. Maybe your God will be able to save us. Ours can't. Maybe yours can. And then they cast lots to see who is responsible for um, this, um, this unnatural storm that they're in. This storm that's about to tear the boat to pieces. And the lots fall upon Jonah. And they turn on him, where, where have you come from? Why is all this evil on us? What do you do? Where do you live? What tribe and people are you from? And it's verse 9 that I especially want to speak to you on this um, today. 
Jonah's answer. And he said unto them, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and dry land. I fear the Lord. Now, I'm sitting in my study, and I say those words at the volume that I've been speaking at for this message. I fear the Lord. But remember, Jonah is saying this on the deck of a boat in this storm that's raging around. That's, so it would have been ear-splitting noise. And he would have had to scream these words out. I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. This sea that you see raging, and the dry land which we remember but is miles away from us. God made all of this, and this very storm that we're in. God is in, he is the creator of this. I fear the Lord. And they would have feared the Lord as they saw the storm raging around them. And they see that Jonah has, is confessing that he's running from God. And it's the very God that's caused this storm. They would fear the Lord. Jonah would fear the Lord and the sailors would fear the Lord too. When we say we fear God, often this word is expanded to mean believe and to trust the Lord. And that's true. It does mean that too. But it also includes fear, as we know fear, as we use fear in our everyday conversation. Have you ever feared God when he's worked in your life? Have you? I remember one time, it was a few years ago now, where the Lord... Um, dealt with a matter that my family was involved in and it was something which I dearly wanted to solve but I couldn't and then the Lord appeared and worked it all out and my wife sent me a text message just sent me a verse from Judges 13 verse 20 and the angel did wondrously. And Manoah and his wife looked on. And I considered what the Lord had done. And I had to fall to my knees in fear and trembling, knowing that the Lord had worked in our lives. And that it was marvelous in our eyes. Where did thou come from? Where comest thou? That's the question they asked him. Well, Jonah had come from Joppa, the harbour of Joppa. We read that in verse 2. Sorry, verse 3. Verse 3. Joppa is now known as Jaffa, and it is just south of Tel Aviv in Israel. I've been to that harbour. I've been to that harbour and stood um, at the edge and looked out over the sea. And you can see some ruins of an old harbour there. Whether that is the same harbour um, in those ruins as what uh, Jonah um, left home, I don't know. Um, but um, 
certainly it's the same geographic location. And I looked out at that sea and thought, this is where Jonah ran from God. What a foolish thing to do. We read in Hosea um, chapter 7, verse 11 and 12, Ephraim also is like a silly dove without heart. They call to Egypt, they go to Assyria. Where they shall go, I will spread my net upon them. I will bring them down as the fowls of heaven. I will chastise them. Ephraim is all like a silly dove. And remember, Jonah means dove. And Jonah had certainly been like a silly dove in this instance. Running from God. But before we're too harsh on Jonah here, we have to confess that we've all run from God. What do we read in Isaiah? Isaiah 53 that well-known chapter which speaks of Christ. Isaiah 53, verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And when we read those words and honestly reflect on them, we have to confess that we have gone astray. And we've turned to our own way. But what a fool to run from God. And what a fool we are to do so. Jonah admits that God made heaven and, uh, and um, the earth and sea. Sorry, uh, the, he admits that God made the earth and sea in our um, text in verse 9. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. And the men then were exceedingly afraid and said, why have you done this? Um, and he, t he tells them that he's fled from God. Now sometimes the world makes Christians look very poor. For we compare how the sailors acted to Jonah. These sailors, had now by now, they'd lost all profit in their voyage. They, we have already read in verse 5 that they've thrown everything aboard, um, overboard. They've hurled it aboard. That word, word to, where they cast forth the wares, that's the same word as when the Lord sent a great wind. It's, they hurled it. They hurled it overboard. All of the goods um, that they were transporting, they've lost everything. And yet, they labor to save Jonah's life. We read in verse 13, they rode hard to bring the boat to land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Like, that could be translated, it was alive against them. It was like a living thing fighting against them. They couldn't do it, but yet they worked as hard as they could. These sailors, and yet we compare them to Jonah. Jonah didn't want Nineveh to be saved. He'd run from God. He'd run from his, um, his, his calling to preach um, God's word to, that, um, to, to those lost people in that capital of Assyria. Yes, sometimes the, uh, um, the world can make Christians um, and God's people look very poor. But yet he is one of God's people. In verse 9 we read, He said unto them, I am a Hebrew, one of God's chosen people. 
This whole book, this short book of Jonah, these four chapters, this book shows, and it's the message of this book is that the sovereign love of God. For if Jonah had been left to his own will, he would be in hell today. He's not saved by his own works or his own righteousness. Not at all. What we read of Jonah is his disobedience, but he is one of God's. He's unlikable, but he's one of God's. He's disobedient, but he's one of God's. Why? There's only one answer. Free grace alone. He is one of those that was loved before the foundation of the world. It is not for the good that was in Jonah at all. It was God's everlasting mercy. Free grace. Free grace is one of the foundation principles of the Protestant faith where those um, reformers, um, Luther and others, they um, were led by the Spirit to go back to the Word of God alone and to disregard all the traditions of men that have built up over the years and um, to uh, get back to the truth of God's Word. And they, um, they dis rediscovered that truth of free grace. And the enemies at that time, the Catholic Church at that time, they said to Luther and his followers, well surely if you believe in free grace um, alone, with nothing added, that means you can do as, you're please, as you please. And Luther says, indeed it does. Now what pleases you? To keep God's commandments. Whoever we are, and wherever we are, we need to listen to God, listen to our Heavenly Father. When I was a boy, we went to a stately home or something at one point, was on holiday or a day out, I can't quite remember. But I do remember vividly this experience, that there was an activity for children to take part in, which was a maze that had been built out of fence panels. And I went in there as a little boy, and you walk around and you soon meet a dead end, then you have to retrace your steps. And I couldn't work my way through it. I kept coming up to these dead ends, and it didn't seem to make sense to me at all. But there was a mound of earth next to this maze, and I heard my name being called. And I looked up, and my dad was standing on top of this mound. And he said, he called my name and he said, look, do exactly as I tell you. And he told me when to turn right and to turn left or whether to go straight on. And I remember running through this maze and went straight through and came out the other side. God would not let Jonah go. We sometimes sing, don't we? O oh love that will not let me go. I am a Hebrew. I am one of God's. I have that protection. A sovereign protector I have. Unseen yet forever at hand. In the land of Israel now, 
they often get attacked by rockets um, from their enemies. And they have a system, a defense system, which is called the Iron Dome. And it is a, um, a whole network, interconnected network, of missiles which can take out rockets. And it, it has a detection system in there, so as soon as a rocket, it detects that a rocket's going to fall on an area that's inhabited, another missile from Israel will, go up, will be launched to intercept it and to blow it up over clear country. It's called the Iron Dome. They ha this cost millions and millions of pounds. But it allows the people to live there in safety. Now we have an, something much better than an Iron Dome. We have Almighty God. We are God's people. And we're in His hands. Why don't we trust Him? I am a Hebrew. The word Hebrew is an interesting word. It's a word that we use and we know that it means those um, that um, are um, th those of God's ancient people. They were known as Hebrews. But what does it mean? It means one that passes through or passes over. What a beautiful picture we have there of God's people on this pilgrimage. You know that the the account of God having his people in Egypt and he brought them out of Egypt. Egypt is a picture of the world. And then they, they're brought out of there. They're in the wilderness, but they're journeying towards the promised land. And they're fed each day. They're fed each day with everything they need. The manna is provided. The water is provided. But yet they rebelled. It isn't for their own goodness, but God is faithful and he brings them through. We read in the Psalms, don't we? Psalm 107. So he bringeth them unto their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Sometimes we sing, Blessed are the souls that trust him and in him alone rejoice. His commandments then become their happy choice. I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. This whole book of Jonah, it points to Christ. We know that it points to Christ in um, that passage that we read in Matthew where Jesus um, was buried um, and on the third day he rose again from the dead and Jonah being three days and nights in the, um, in, in the, uh, the belly of the fish is a picture of that. But there are, there are other um, parallels to Christ in this book as well. In verse 15 we read that the sailors took up Jonah they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. That word took up is a very interesting word in the original language. It is the same word that's used for offering a sacrifice. So here we have an, another gospel image from this book, that a sacrifice was offered, and then there was a great calm. And we read in Ephesians, don't we? But now, in Christ Jesus... Ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. 
these sailors, they called on God. Verse 14, we read at their prayer, they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, have done it as it pleased thee. And, we, and then they cast Jonah in, as we have just reflected on in verse 16. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord, and made vows. These vows showed that they had cast away their former idols. They were now trusting on the living God. The dearest idol I have known, whatever that idol be, help me to tear it from thy throne, and worship only thee. These sailors who had come from those different lands that were in God's providence, they were um, on this boat that was going to Tarshish, and they have this life-changing experience, they will never forget it. And they're those thou that are calling on the one true living God, and they're vowing to serve um, that um, God with their lives. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Our preachers are often discouraged for they do not always see the um, fruit of their labours. Jonah didn't see the fruit of his labours here. He was cast into the sea. And these sailors then made their vows to the Lord. He didn't, he didn't see um, that, uh, that at that time, their conversion. They shouldn't, so preachers should not be discouraged if they don't always see the signs um, following um, their preaching, their job is to cast the seed, is to, um, is to preach the word, and it is the Holy Spirit's work um, to work in, soul's heart, and in, in, in the souls and hearts of those that will be wrought upon to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's perhaps an encouragement for those that try to speak to colleagues at work, or to neighbours, or to friends, um, at um, in your university or college or school, wherever you are, or you 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 wish to um, try and say a word in season to someone that you meet, you may not see the results of this. Jonah didn't. But this whole book of Jonah also points to Christ, a risen Christ. As Jonah lived in that belly of the fish for three days and three nights, and then, um, then was vomited out onto the land, we know that our Lord, Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, after dying that all atoning death for His people, after being nailed to that cross at, at Calvary, He was then taken down and laid in that tomb where no man had been laid, and on the third day He rose again. And after appearing to many, after 40 days, he then ascended into heaven and now sits at the right hand of the Father. And there is no other hope um, for sinners. This is the way. Jesus Christ um, described himself as the way, 
the truth and the life. And he described himself as the door. This is the only way and the only hope for sinners. Jonah's tomb was at Mosul in Nineveh. And um, it's, whether it really was there or not, I don't know. But uh, um, certainly there was um, a, a fancy tomb there which was said to be the tomb of Jonah. But um, six years ago, on the 24th of July, 2014, the Islamic State um, militants blew it up, blew it to smithereens. And nothing left of it at all. And Jonah's bones, if they were there, were turned into dust and are elsewhere now um, on our earth. But for Christ we have an empty tomb. And Jesus Christ is sitting at his Father's right hand. And he will return at that glorious day to receive his people to be forever with him. I read from Isaiah earlier on in this message. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. But the verse doesn't end there. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. And Jonah said unto them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Well, as we started this service, we read Psalm 134. The Lord that made heaven and earth, bless thee out of Zion. May the Lord write this word on our hearts and at his blessing. Amen. Let us close in prayer. Most gracious Lord, we do thank thee for thy word. We pray that each one that is listening to this message may be those that fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Lord, that we would be those chosen people of thine that will um, one day be with thee, Lord, without separation for all eternity, worshipping thee and serving thee in that perfect place forever and ever. Forgive our sins and help us, Lord, in whatever is in our future paths. For we ask this in the name of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus, mercy flows through.
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.